0: plugged in to the
1: Delphi podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Delphi podcast. I'm Tom Shaughnessy, and I help lead Delphi ventures as well as host some of the most in the weeds and thought provoking guests across crypto, spanning layer ones to DeFi, NFTs, and beyond. The goal is to have fun, but also to dive deep and offer foundational episodes on projects and founders. Also, check out our research on Delphi Digital or miss out on the most compelling research there is. It's up to you. As a reminder, nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any security or token or to make any financial decisions. Delphi Ventures may hold tokens mentioned, so check out our transparency page in the show notes for more info. With that, let's dive in. See you guys on the other side. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Shaughnessy of Delphi Digital and one of the co-founders I helped help lead our ventures division. Today, I'm thrilled to have on my three favorite interns, Darren, Darrell, and Zach. How's it going, guys?
2: Hey, guys. Hey, what's up, boss?
1: Guys, I'm not sure, am I your intern or are you guys interns for us? Who, who's who's intern?
2: We are all interns. Yeah, all interns, all interns.
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, we all have the same Twitter pic, so I feel like we're all kind of the same person at the end of the day.
0: The psyops continues.
1: It, it's a good psyops version. So let's let's start in order. Zach, we'll start with you because you're top of the screen. You know, let's start with your story on how you guys got started in crypto. I, I know it's kind of a joint story, but we'll let whoever wants to run with it, run with it.
0: Um, Sure. I mean, um, for myself, um, I basically got into crypto in the most degen way possible by buying the top of the 2017 bull market. And I guess from there, it was basically the best opportunity to get um. Be a part of the whole ecosystem, right? After buying the top, you want to sort of explore what we did wrong and what we could improve from there. However, at that point of time, I was also juggling a full time job, so I wasn't as into crypto at that point of time yet. It wasn't until the DeFi, uh, the recent DeFi after DeFi Summer, where I started going into it a bit more time in it, and it's this year where we started not Trilow capital between the three of us.
2: Yeah, I mean for Dara and I, the beginnings a bit similar. So uh, we got in. 2017 bull market and uh, then 20, 20, it, the market died. Then 2018, we went for this event, Uh, CoinGecko was speaking then. So we went, We just went up to them and asked if they were hiring any interns at that point. And then we, we just started off as interns and then we were basically in charge of market research. So for example, like uh, when you swap curve, all the DeFi projects, really, when they first came out, we were the ones pushing CoinGecko to integrate all that. And then in March last year, I we wrote a book on how to DeFi back in March, but then, uh, in June, July, that's when the book started being outdated. So then I was like posting more on Twitter, just like teach people how to like yield farm, what what curve is, what Wi Fi is, for example. Then in August, I joined the Spartan group. And then I was there for nine months, but I left in May just to like focus on my own thing. And then, uh, recently Daryl are left mechanisms. So like, I've been focused. We've been doing things more together in the form of natural capital and yeah. And they can explain a bit more as well. Yeah, I guess like the main difference between both of them was that they both had like their own responsibilities. Like Zach had his full-time job. Darren has his like scholarship, but I had a scholarship too, but I lost it immediately one semester in, so I feel like 100% <laughs> focus on crypto. So I was like, okay, all the, all the time, like all deep in the DGN discourse, like synthetics Trading, for example, is like deep in the weeds for all the crypto groups since, since 2018, then been, been like, been an early DeFi user ever since then, been helping people out as much as we could. And just like really making sure that like CoinGecko would had have the fastest data possible and like the most up up to date and most detailed information. So that that's what really like kicked off things, I guess. Like everyone switched over from. Using How did you CM.
1: lose the? Uh, How did you lose so the scholarship? scholarship.
2: Yeah. So basically, like we both got like we both got into crypto around like I guess mid twenty seventeen, right? So mid twenty seventeen was like like the start of our degree kind of. So we were we were we were studying like our first semester in. And I had to maintain like a certain percentage, like a certain grade point average, and I just like fell below that threshold because I was like staying up on the tree, I'm like being reading about crypto and everything and like, seeing my, my net worth go up. Then it just like, so it just lost it straight off after like one semester. And then my portfolio was just, like, okay, we were near the top of the market. then shit went down during 2018 as everyone, everyone just like suffered the trash.
1: Tell me a bit about CoinGecko. How was the experience yeah. there? What, what did you guys spend a lot of your time on? Because it, it sounds like you guys were interns there. You're interns now. It's forever interns. <laughs> I love it.
2: Yeah, so we we were basically like the first two interns there Like when because we just started up the office. So me and Darren were like, he mentioned earlier, we were in charge of the market research side of things. But it just like, it went on from like ICOs to DeFi. So when DeFi first started, for example, we were literally like standing in front of a whiteboard explaining to like, Bobby and TM, the co-founders, which we love. Like explaining to them what the hell is Uniswap and like, why why would anyone use it and why we should add it to CoinGecko. Because it's a lot different than like most most exchanges that they've been integrated before. Like most exchanges were like centralized exchanges. So they could use like APIs and stuff. But like Uniswap was like a pure pain in the ass to integrate because it's like all on-chain data. So that was a little harder to like convince them. But I had to spend like I I don't know, like spend like a week explaining to them and why we should integrate it. Then it just kicked off from there. So it's like Every other day I was like asking her to integrate this new DeFi app, this, and why we should add this stuff. And then just became like, we were the first and only website to actually integrate any DeFi application. And that was even before like a time where nobody knew what DeFi was or like the term DeFi existed, I guess. But it just really just started from like us, realize, me and Darren realized using, actually using the apps and realizing that, okay, there's something different that maybe we should focus focusing on.
1: No, that's fair. CoinGecko is obviously one of my favorite sites. Um, you guys did an incredible job helping them. What was I, I'd be interested in everybody's like you know journey after quitting originally, right? Because it sounds like you guys quit joined the bull market. <laughs> obviously, we had a prolonged bear market. W- what was your guys's process like there? Because I mean, I went through the same thing. You lose yeah. a lot of energy when you're you know buying into a bull market and stuff goes sour.
0: Yeah, I think I only recently quit after DeFi summer last year. Um, and that was only because at a certain point of time, uh, the the return on investment between working full-time in a full-time job as well as investing in crypto was a very huge gap there. And it was also at the start of a time when my brothers and I we started thinking about what we could do in the future as the three of us as well. So from my point of view, at least from my side, it wasn't that much of a fatigue sort of thing because, I mean, the three of us are pretty close. In fact, we actually used to share the same room until we were like, university college and from that point of that from that point of time we just sort of enjoyed working together with each other we complement each other's skills pretty well so i mean it's been pretty fun right for me so far
1: what about you guys what was the journey like after joining
0: after joining crypto
2: like uh 2018 2019 like i was mostly focusing on my scholarship so daryl mentioned that as well now i also used to uh, i also used to manage the dodgeball team just for fun and then like but I haven't played in like one, two years. Just like, so very rusty there. And then, uh, was also like, I guess more focusing on, on Trap5 track as well. So like, I was, I did try to apply for like some Trap5 jobs, but then got rejected there because my grades weren't up to par. Then I was like, <laughs> okay, screw it. Let's just go to crypto instead. Because I like crypto more. Like, the degeneracy just, just just, felt more more at home with me.
1: No, I, I totally agree. And last but not least.
2: Yeah, my, I don't know. I had a different path. Right, kind right. of like, basically it was like, i lost the scholarship i was like i was focused on making sure that i didn't ha- get like i didn't have my parents fork the bill for my for my university fees so i was more towards like focusing on crypto which is like probably the easiest industry for us to understand like we've tried trading stocks maybe like our dad has tried teaching us about it but like we we hated it completely because we couldn't understand it and thought it was, like too slow then after we found cryptos that's like okay cryptos moves like 20 30 a day or even an hour sometimes and it's like a lot more like familiar to us rather than like boomer PE, PS ratios and stuff like that. So that like I was basically more focused on like grinding my ass off, like making sure that okay, my parents will never have to fuck the bill for my scholarship or my university and I'll be able to pay off and sustain myself. So yeah, that was like the whole drive, I guess, for 2018 oh, That's 2019. awesome. I mean, yeah, it's I all still,
1: similar, right? Crash course in and you get interested.
2: <laughs> yeah, we were still like still doing my degree, but like my degree, so- my grades, like my parents went from. You need to pass and you need a to maintain your scholarship. You need to pass and then you need to just get the paper. So my, my grades just like went to zero.
1: <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. I mean, on that route, there's a lot of topic areas I want to dive into. I mean, yeah. one of the first ones is just learnings from, from what you guys have had and what you've done so far. So, um, Daryl, I'd like to start with you. Like, Mechanism Capital is obviously a fund we work with closely. We have a ton of respect for Andrew and Mark and the team. What what was your biggest learnings there as an individual, maybe on the investing side or personally, that you took with you?
2: Yeah, I guess like main main thing I learned from Andrew, for example, is like having conviction. Like Andrew has Andrew has the, the ability, like he has a great way in like crafting his own like thesis invest, investing. That he's always asked that like whether we want to invest or in something. what's our thesis here? Why why should we why should we be, why should we be investing in this in the first place? What what do we see this going in the next three years or something? And how do we, how does it like fit together with the whole market? And, and how does it like benefit the industry as a whole? And then being able to like see those thesis pull out and like, for example, like he was one of the earliest people with you guys, for example, on on TorChain. Like you, like there was only a few people in the whole space that actually gave a shit about cross-chain at the time. And like he kept on with it. And it like, he's always been like focused on like having a greater narrative or hiring greater thesis around like all the investments that he's made. So that's what I, one, one thing I like learned definitely from Mechanism.
1: Do you still do that today? Like very concentrated in your portfolio?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're like, partly like, our investment detail has somewhat changed in that we like to make investments in, in founders that we like, and the like, founders that we like vibe with, or like, like, I guess one question that stuck with us was like, at the end of the day, if, if any portfolio company that any founder that you talk to, if you can't get a beer with him and chill at the end of the day, then why should you be investing in him, with him?
1: Yeah, and judging those vibes online is harder, but but necessary. Yes. Darren, switching to you, similar question to what I just asked Daryl. You spent a lot of time at Spartan Group. Also, ton of respect for Jason and Kelvin and the team. You know, what was your biggest learning there that you took away from it?
2: Yeah, I guess uh, Spartan Group comes a bit more from fundamental background, so like from fire as well. So I guess two things that I learned from Spartan. One is that understanding risks a bit more, like for example, like thinking about what's the maximum drawdown in the position. Uh, how quickly can you liquidate a position if there's a market right crash? And like just thinking about how, how much how much of a slippage will there be when you're entering a position as well so that's that's something that i never really understood as a retail guy unless i as the enter i start going to like doing more fun size positions because like when you're aping like 1 million into a shitcoin that has only has like 100k liquidity or something like that like that moves the books very quickly and like when you want to exit for example like you have to consider that as well another thing that i can I i learned from them as well is that uh just thinking more deeply into like my my way of thinking so for example like so- I tend to like just think of one 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 narrative, one opinion. But like Calvin and Jason really like taught me to like question it a bit more, like to try and think more of like what's the cons here? Why why are people thinking this way? Is there another way to think about it and stuff like that? Yeah, having multiple like...
1: opinions and Yeah, an understanding it is is huge. Zach, last up for you. I I'm not sure what you did prior, but would love to kind of learn more about what you took away from that before moving full time into crypto.
0: Well, uh my prior job was a bit more um not as uh and sorry let me just repeat that so my, my prior job was a bit more different from crypto and my brothers uh, i used to work in this community education firm where we did a lot of um development for underserved youths so from there really it's just sort of uh inspired me to sort of look more into what the community wants as well as hanging out with the people to figure out things like what is it that will make a product better for them as well so that's why for the most part, between the three of us, uh, I spend a lot of time in different discourse, different channels, talking to people as well as speaking to the average uh, retail investors as well, just to figure out what it is that drives them and what it is that interests them in the current market too.
1: That's really helpful. Yeah, you guys all bring a ton of experience from your your past roles. So a couple topic areas I want to chat about. Um, one of the big ones is finding your tribe. Um, yeah. I think you guys have your own tribe just within yourselves, but... <laughs> You know, how do you guys think about finding tribes, crypto culture, and and to your point, like finding a good vibe with founders and stuff like that? I'm unsure who wants to take it, but feel free.
2: Yeah, I wrote, I basically wrote wrote a thread on that, like right right after, basically to announce that I was leaving at Mechanism because I like the past two years, for example, we, it was locked and in COVID. Like we spent like a lot of time just in front of your like laptops in front of your screens, like typing to people online, and it's it just feels like completely different. when I'm traveling and I'm meeting people face to face for the first time. And just like that sense of camaraderie a sense of like community just like i don't know I, I can't really describe it in words but like it just makes things like a lot more better to me that you're realizing that one that's a lot more to like people like investing rather than profits and not just like zero-sum it's like more towards like okay if we can all like make it together and we can all like grow the ecosystem together and it's like more towards like the whack, the whack me approach i guess and that's like one i guess one I guess the one ethos of a tribe that everyone should have, or that what I'd be, what I'd rather be looking for, rather than finding like a group of community that just focus on like value extracting or like making profits. So the core, I guess the core ideal of a group and why it's formed, for example, is always like questionable, or, like something that you have to like move towards. Okay, we need to move towards something that's like, okay, what are we in this for? What are we, what are we in crypto for? Why are we investing? why, why, what
0: can we do right now with like all, all opportunities that we
2: have?
1: That's fair. If anybody else wants to take it too, feel free
0: to jump in. I think another point about finding tribes is that people often overlook how much value and how much faster you can learn, especially once you find a group of people who are willing to share ideas and debate with you with. So when I first got started in crypto as well, my brothers didn't like eat me into a bunch of different groups, it was rather more of me um, reaching out to a bunch of different people and forming our own mini in groups as well. And from there, it really accelerated my whole learning process and onboarding into the space as well. Because you get to sh- throw out different questions, you get to hear different opinions, and from there, you can form thesis based on different things that people talk about as well.
2: Yeah, I like I like the whole journey of finding your own tribe that fit that you fit with your own squad. Like I don't know, like everyone says when you join crypto, and to a cheat a shortcut to like joining crypto is a joining DAO. But I find that like like kind of like a negative cause. The DAO is like a self, like already a curated group that people have already curated that people. Have- like somewhat of the same interest but you do not you're not sure whether those interests align like me and darren and zach like we all we can fit into like any other group like we can talk about nfts we can talk about d5 De- we can talk about like i don't know, like olympus stuff like really any degenerate shit, <laughs> and and even web3 or like growth and that just matters that just that's what what happens when we we've gone into like different communities and tried to like be around those communities, but if you just join and dollar straight off, you're just going to be always going to be in segmented in that small subcategory. Yeah, and I would also add that like finding a group of friends, uh, it's always great because like, for example, we're, we're, in group, we're in a bunch of groups together. So like one group is filled with like people that only care about like on-chain listings, so, for example, like Uniswap shit coins, uh, Unisop stuff, mostly on-chain stuff rather than sex coins. And then uh, another one is that another group that we have is like other analysts from other funds, so I would say that the the view of both projects are very, uh, both groups are very different because one group focuses more on like things that are just recently listed, things that we can aid right away, for example. And another group is like looking more at primary deals. So for example, like what, what deals are we currently looking at this week in terms of primary markets? So like one group is primary, one group is secondary. So like it's a good segregation of just like top areas that we're all covering. Oh,
1: that's also. awesome. I, I completely agree about finding people that you're able to debate and learn from in an authentic way, going back and forth, like really accelerates how much you learn and kind of capture. How do you guys suss out like the good and bad tribes in crypto, right? Like how do you judge whether a founder or community has good vibes they want to build? They're not just, you know, profit maximals, you know, focus on just making a ton of money. Like how do you guys all handle that or do you not
2: care? I, I guess, like, really, just like how they this how they talk and how they like bring themselves on. Like, I've had a call with a VC, for example, and they literally only ask three questions: like, what's the allocation size, what's the minimum check size we can do, and where do I send money? And to me, that's like pure value extractive VC. That, that like I don't, I don't think he's in it for like the tech or he's in it for the product. He'll even be like any, he'll show up after the check is signed. Like that's that's just why well, just one example that of like people that you I really wouldn't want to like mix mix around with, or like really wouldn't want to like, have like future deals with for example
1: what do you guys look for in a founder of a project like when you're talking through a project i know you guys mentioned like now you're you know focused on meeting founders in person it's easier to judge but when you're de- diligence a project what do you look for
2: one thing i look at is also like the background of the guy like if possible like seeing whether if i have any mutual groups with him plus we are we are in a bunch of groups together So like seeing if this person has any exposure to crypto beforehand or if he's just coming from completely from like trap 5 for example because i feel like some of the best founders that i've worked with they have a good sense of the market so one they know what competitors they are in the market two they know like what's actually happening in the market so for example like usually like i take a few minutes just like break the ice just like talk about what what recently happened and then like i, I can generally get a sense of whether these guys are actually attuned with what's happening in the market and like just showing seeing gauging their interest in the in the market as well because if they are in crypto to actually build something that makes the space better that like, you can get, get get a sense of how interested they are in the market just by talking to them about something that's unrelated I like just seeing the how I how easy it is to talk to them people. Like, I guess it's a bit awkward sometimes when you talk to people for the first time, but like if it's like easy to talk to, that that generally gives like better vibes. I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, Daryl maybe has some better insights there. Yeah, generally there's also been like an increase in anno-ons recently, and found, and project being founded by anons, so you wouldn't be able to like ask them upfront like what what have they worked on beforehand because they they wouldn't want to the dox themselves. But like gen like I don't know like. Actually, seeing an on building a project makes me more like excited about the project because I know that he's only in it because he wants to build a project and he wants his identity to be known for the product itself rather than to like rest on his own like previous accomplishments. So that's actually like I I don't actually we don't actually mind like backing Anon. So we've done a few like an on projects before as well, so, and I mean like we backed a few an on projects.
1: <laughs> that's that's <laughs> pretty cool. Yeah, how deep do you guys go with the founders? Like, is it? pretty casual like you're trying to get a good sense of who they are or are you also like seriously digging into the project from the get-go or does that come later like what's your yes. process like for going from you know understanding the founder to the project
2: yeah i guess it's like two it's like one way to approach it is like okay what's the project what's the project that they're doing what's the problem to try and solve and how like who else can do that who, who else can do that project right like for example like we've we talked to this uh we talked to this nst display project which is called Atomic Form and, like the founders literally did like a did like a degree in like hardware and stuff like that and they, they've they they've done they've were probably one of the only people, few people that was like well connected in the whole art scene and they had like their displays everywhere and like not many people knew knew about that and everyone that we know like they're building out like nft displays were like fo- focused on trying to get distribution out but this this project this founders and this company has already like solved that issue so it's really just like okay how how good and how how hard is it like for a founder to like tap into that market and whether anyone else like anyone else out of like, I don't like every league already can do it themselves. That's a question that we we ask. And like sometimes like, for example, when we're talking into a, a, a project when they're looking for funding and then they say that, oh, we've really been talking to this this other fund. And then we ask, DM the other fund, fund just like for a quick reference check, like, hey, are you guys talking to these guys or hey, they said you guys were investing, is it is that true? that kind of thing. And if like, for example, if the, the other fund comes back to us, it's like, I, I've never even heard of this project. And that's usually like a red flag.
1: Yeah, no, worth it. I mean, digging into how solid the founders are and how hard their product is to replicate is, is definitely key. I, I'd love to kind of dive into, you know, each of your ideas of a, a great founder. And I mean, you could all, if you all have a specific example, that would be great, but maybe we'll go in order, Zach, we'll start with you. But like, what's a founder that has just blown you away with their ability to execute or connect with you or to build a project? like What's an example of someone that you're really impressed with? And then we'll just yeah. move on a
0: circle. Honestly, on the top of my mind, straight away is the founders from the Trader Joe team. Uh, not only because they are very super responsive to people, but simply because they are, honestly, they're super degen as well, and we love it. Um, they speak the language that the people like to listen to. Um, they know what it is the community wants. And I mean, we have our own, group chat with the team as well. And oftentimes we, we can just see it. If you're not talking about work, oftentimes you just see us sharing memes and just talking about general stuff as well. I mean, the Trader Joe team is just definitely some, uh, some of the founders that we definitely like to vibe with the most. That's pretty cool.
1: Darren, Darrell, let's go to you guys next.
2: Yeah. For me personally, I, I like the Orori guy the most, uh, same from Orori. So he's a guy that he reached out to me cold DM cause he was also investing in this project that I was doing as well. And like, he, he gave me this whole vision about Orori and then, from there we started chatting back back in March even. So like I've been with helping him out since then. Uh we we I was helping him out try, to try and raise as well. So for example, like with connecting with all the other VCs that were, were interested in gaming at the time. And back then in March, like Ariel was very skeptical about gaming. And Aurory was doing this at a fifteen million valuation. But we were being told that fifteen million was very, very expensive. And then like back in May, all these same VCs started came, coming back and like, hey, can we invest in you guys now? I actually just did it crazy bull run can we can we invest in you guys now so like sim is probably one founder that he he goes through a lot of things so like we're always like <laughs> just talking about it just like just like planning how to do this planning how to do that so like it's a very from the ground like from from the very beginning i've been helping him out so yeah he's probably one of my, my favorite founders he's like the most humble down to earth no bullshit kind of guy so we love him because like it, it's like like very funny to see like the shit that he, he has to put up with and the shit that he has gone through and and like where already is right like now is just been amazing to see that kind of thing, but yeah, um, like yeah, I mentioned no, a,
1: that, that's pretty cool. I'm oh, sorry, yeah,
2: sorry, yeah, that's another project. Like, basically, one other one recent investment we did was like atomic form as well. So, atomic form from Gareth, Gareth the founder was like this guy that he, I knew he was in New York and I was in New York then, so I just DM him because uh, I was like, hey, let's get lunch together, and it's because you see, like. We knew each other because i helped him out with like some stuff at coin gecko so i helped him get some stuff listed up on coin gecko and then i was it was like a completely random lunch i mean we, we were supposed to be like maybe like an hour short lunch just like shoot the shit and, and catch up then and he and then we ended up being like three four hours lunch just like us vibing just chill, just chill talking talking about anything and everything really then he talked to me about atomic form which i was like looking into but i had no idea he was actually behind it and then we were just like okay shit so that, so he, he walked me through the whole vision and it just like really dawned on to me like there's been so many like projects or so many founders out in space that they, they look into the, the, the space and they think that, okay, we want to like get into it and we want to like take advantage and, and squeeze out as much value as we can, like squeeze out as much money as we can, because the crypto people can afford it. And then Gareth is just like, I don't want that bullshit. I want to make this affordable. I want to make, I want to make like, I want to make things as reachable to people as possible. I want to be, I want people to be able to like use crypto regardless of wherever the hell they are and i don't want like i'm not in it for the money first like this like gareth was a guy that was in like deep in the cosmos like two for two three for the past two or three years and like whoever's deep in cosmos they are in it for the tech they are, they are in it for like research they they do not care about the money kind of thing because like, everyone else has like ch- chased those vc chains everyone else has like gone for like those profit first kind of thing and gareth is like far from it he's like it's like a very comfortable founder. Like he's like, he's amazing. Like he's a huge guy. So it'd be really, really nice to hug as well. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's fun to be with him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing from you guys is you like founders that are one Gen, speak your language and are, are just nice people you want to hang with. Right. I, I guess my question for you though, is like when you're yeah. that close to people and that friendly, like how do you give them critical feedback on their project? Like yeah. how do you say, Hey, I love you, man. But you know, this is kind of rough. I would do this. Like, how do you go about that? feedback process
0: i think this is also a lot to do with the type of people that you're interacting with right i mean going back to the earlier point about how do you find the tribes that have uh, that you're able to share different ideas across it's the same thing for founders as well you want to be able to work together with founders who are very open to feedback and people who just i mean despite being friendly you can just go up to them straight away tell them like you said i love you i love you to the death at the same time these are some things you could probably improve on these are some things that you probably you could probably work together to even be better next time as well
2: yeah like that, that yeah what's that was like we we like to like founders like we we can go up to and have like no bullshit conversations like hey this is this is not gonna work out this like whatever you're planning to build right now this is not gonna work out like this probably needs to change and we think, take a step back like, okay here's what we can do here and here's what we can help with that kind of conversations like it's hard to do sometimes but like I know we've we've always found like it's better to be like authentic or rather like upfront with people rather than having a fake alter ego or something with founders like like whoever, whoever I'm with, with with VC's friends or like whatever I'm usually the same person so that's just like helped like carry over like there, there's no like sense of pretense
0: or there's no sense of like falseness I guess.
1: No, I I agree with being clearly authentic.
0: Yeah, it's all part of the whole value adding process, right? Being able to be critical with the founders that you're working with. And I think that's where we truly believe in authenticity as authenticity as well. That's why I mean for the past week in Lisbon as well as in New York, whenever we meet any projects we invest in, uh, most of the time you can just see us like inviting the founders to drinks or just chilling with them, having a meal with them. Because this is where we feel that, all right, this is our best self. This is how we are normally. We want to be this way with you as well. We want to work together with you in this in this light, you, I I, yeah. I
1: agree. Um, you won't add any value, and you will just hate your life if you're not authentic with people. So, so I agree on on being able to add value. What's your process been like though? Like the feed, like when you give feedback to founders, what what's the best way that they take that feedback and use it? Is it that they critically engage with you guys back? Is that they just go run with the feedback and implement it? Is it that you know? I'm sure, some of them get pissed and it's not too helpful. But what's the most? Um, optimizing feedback loop there when you guys are giving critical advice to a founder?
0: I mean, ideally, you want to be able to uh, have a founder where you, once you provide feedback, the sort of discussion gets going back and forth, because you don't want it to just be purely from your point of view as well. You want it to um, share different point of views. You want to sort of um, curate the ideas that get born from there. And then you work towards what is the best outcome of it all, right? I think Darren has a few examples he can share with.
2: Yeah, so I think Daryl can also chime in later. Uh, so there's this one project that we invested in called XdeFi. 5 So they're building a wallet, and currently it supports EVM as well as Terra. So like back when they were first building it, uh, first and foremost they wanted it to be a wallet that's used. So like we they were actually collecting a bunch of feedback, not just from us as investors, but also like power users that were making noise about MetaMask. So like <laughs> I think that's one thing like collecting a bunch of feedback from everyone and like seeing what is your most demanded feature to have, then then they prioritize based on that as well. So like I actually went sh- through a few calls with them, just to, like give them feedback on based on the product, and I, I'll actually tell them, like okay, I think I think this part looks ugly, it can be improved on or like, I don't think this feature is necessary at this point, we can just add another feature later, and so on. So like it was really just them having like regular calls, just like, okay, have you seen the new product? Can you go test it out? Like, can you let me know what your thoughts are? And then I will go through like, I'll go through the product and it's just, just send them like a detailed list of like, what I think could can be improved after that, yeah, but it's really just uh, from there like following up with them. Okay, uh, it's been one month. It's been two weeks or whatever. Like, how's progress been for regarding that project? How's progress been with things as well? Then just following up from there. Yeah, regular regular calls is, is a pretty good, pretty good. Like feedback loop. Then another one is like some founders have just like eaters like their the t- alpha testing links, and then we just like completely just try to break it ourselves like by using or doing whatever degenerate shit that we can think of on that link. And then they then they come up with them like with new feedback or new like new ideas or like new user flows that they haven't even heard before. And they're like, "What the hell have we been doing?" And we we're just like, we were just like playing with it on our phone, on in taking it in the toilet. <laughs> and so it's like the those kind of feedback, like those those kind of like feedback sessions, is like really, it's helpful. And either they give like a really long guide or like process and what can we change on this right? So what what can be done different? Or they just trust you guys completely blindly. And okay, here is here's a. A platform to test out. You can do whatever you want, and then that's like the most fun we have. Like we just like try it with like multiple different apps, like try, try multiple different like processes, and just see what happens. Because like for us, I think we we think about things like quite differently. Like we think about things as one a user, to a a DJN user, and three like a of investor or like or a farmer. So like those are multiple different ways to think about things, and uh, multiple multiple different like paths to like play around with. So those like feedback, I guess.
1: Yeah. No. It sounds like you guys are. It sounds like what I'm saying is you guys stay in touch really closely with the teams, and you provide pretty critical and authentic feedback pretty yeah. quickly. And you use the you actually use the products, which helps.
2: <laughs> yeah. 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 So we generally don't. Invest, if it's a project that we wouldn't use, or if it's like product that we wouldn't use at all, like we usually won't invest in that project just cause like I'm not gonna use it. I won't be able to give you proper feedback, Well, I'm not the target market as well. So like we we generally want to be users of the product, as we also want to be supporters of the product as well. I can't support you if I don't use you. Yeah, we've been, I don't know, we've been turning down like quite a few like metaverse deals or like quite a few like physical NFT stuff just because like we can't add value to that and we have no idea where to even begin with it. So like, okay, like we love, we love the idea, we love the concept, just like we can't help out. So like we just gonna pass on investing on those.
1: Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. If it's outside your circle of confidence and you're not going to use it, there's no reason to kind of pull the trigger on it. One thing I want to talk to you guys about is you guys, every time I talk to each of you, you're incredibly plugged into the space. Like, you know, the trends before they happen, the projects before they're big. Like, I'm I'm wondering, I mean, I have two questions for you. I mean, the first one is like, how the hell do you stay that up to speed? And then the second one is, you know, how do you stay that up to speed while also providing value and helping all of the deals you've done, right? Because it's kind of a give and take where you want to stand still and help but you want to keep running to get new deals and to invest in the new innovation cycles. Yeah, how do you How do you guys all do both? I'm sure it's a different answer from each though.
0: Is this the part where we show the Daily Ape? Daily <laughs> <laughs> for sure, go
1: for
2: so, it. <laughs> probably the best, to be honest, like, probably the best way for you to stay in touch with the market. If you want to be on top of the things, uh, I would definitely recommend following the, the, the Daily Ape. <laughs> I don't know who runs it, but it's probably a great guy. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but anyway, like, so the, the reason why I created the daily, Air was because like, I wanted to be on top of things. So like, for example, like just putting like, that's my daily routine. Every morning I wake up, I, I get What's happening. I find out what's happening. So it's either through Twitter, through email newsletters, through podcasts as well. So it's really a bunch of new sources that I just look through every morning, take a few hours just to go aggregate all that information. And then like, because it's gotten to a point where like it's gotten some following, like I usually get like DMs from people as well, like of like what news I should be covering as well. So for example, like these people will be DMing me and say like, hey, I just wrote this piece or hey, I just saw this piece. Can you include it in your newsletter? And then from there, like, I get another different source of information that I might have missed as well. Cause like I can only see so much information as well. And like I try to, gen- uh, another thing that I try to do is like, I-, I try to keep an open mind on things as well. So for example, like sometimes like uh, back in the early days of Solana, back when the first hackathon happened, most of the ETH Maxis were like shitting on Solana and, and even now they still are. But like, I was actually going to like talk to the teams on the hackathons, like the first generation hackathon projects. So for example, like Mango, for example, Side options, I was talking to a bunch of them from there, just to like learn what's it like different, how is it like building on Solana versus Ethereum and like, why would you actually build on Solana? And like just, from there, like just keeping an open mind as possible is is one way to like, how I keep on top of things, I guess, uh, Daryl can probably go in more. Yeah, I mean like we've that there's been like a lot there's been like a lot of investments that we've seen and we've probably passed like most of them. Like we've tried we've tried to like one foremost like not invest in like competitors, invest like one if let's say invest in, like uh for example like, I've been very heavily involved in like year for like from in the early days like I was I'm still am like a multi-sig there. So like we've passed like Unilaterally passed on all yield aggregators. Like, like even if it's like something like a yield optimizer or like some deep other strategies, style thing like we've tried, generally tried not to like invest in similar verticals. So like, and then keeping on, keeping on top of that is like, okay, how, how can this, like this, i this product improve on that their infrastructure? How can they like expand their tech, their offerings? And then we try to go from there. Like we, we keep an eye on most of the things happening in the market right now, but like, we, we also like keep, keep an eye on what can our, I guess our investments that we made, like upgrade or like, add to their product offering to, to, and in order to move.
1: That's awesome, guys. I like that. It's, it's crazy how much the Daily Ape has grown too. What's the, uh, what's the genesis for the Daily Ape, yeah. by the way? I,
2: I started it back in November last year. So like, so it's, it's one year and one month now. And like, it's got like 25,000, I think, back last I checked. That's, that's pretty insane. Like, it just really started because like, I was doing this for something similar for Spartan. So every morning, I just go through what's happening and then seeing what kind of, what kind of trades can we do based on events that are happening and like i was sharing it internally with some friends and then they were like okay this is actually very helpful so then i was like thinking okay why not just share it with everyone else because i feel like one thing that happens is that a lot this everyone spends a lot of time on twitter sometimes they're spending the whole day on twitter as well so like do being this one source of like a daily update i feel like it's it's a good way to like save people time as well like i don't want to check my twitter 24 7. If I can just check one place and be be done for the day, that's that's more than welcome for me. That's a good thing. Like it's like it's like open source and free kind of thing. Like we don't we are not gonna he's not gonna charge for it. it he doesn't want to charge for it. And we, we see like a lot of newsletters out there just like they do somewhat similar thing, but they just charge like slap on like a ninety nine dollar fee a month or something. And people people value that thing being paid more than the free the free content.
1: I I definitely pay the ninety nine bucks. I mean. But, but going back to, like, staying plugged <laughs> in and the Daily Ape and all that stuff, like, how do you guys deal with, like, how do you find the rotations between chains and narratives, and how do you, like, form theses so quickly around that, right? Like, I feel like you guys are able to move and yes, get Zach. conviction relatively quickly, but how do you do that in such a short amount of time?
2: Yeah, Zach and Darren, probably the best, the best <laughs> two people to answer that. Like, back when the Avalanche rotation started the first time, in this is like, a few months ago, so when it all started... Like, I had COVID, so I was, like, 20, 20 hours just sleeping all day. And I would wake, wake up every day to, like, them sending, like, Avalanche memes, and I'll be like, what the fuck is happening? And they're just, like, ultimate DGens, like, their IQ is, like, maybe, like, 10 or 50 at that time. There's like, all the way, like, rotating, rotator memes, like, full-on, the was them. Uh, I can probably start on this. So, uh, back when Avalanche first announced incentives, so, like, back then, we had one instance of a similar happening. So for example, the the only time that happened before was with Polygon and a lot of people that I knew missed out on Polygon. And the difference was that Polygon back then and, and now they don't even they don't have a lot of projects building on Polygon that have a lot of native tokens. So like the difference was that I felt that Avalanche had a lot more projects. And like it just so happened like a few months before that, I was actually talking to the Joe team already, and like we were ta- discussing about how like there's just farmers on Avalanche. There's not much, there's not a lot of users. There's probably like less than one hundred users a day, and like that's something that I found to to like really pay attention to because like in Avalanche at that moment there was only like less than ten legit projects with tokens, so like one thing that we were thinking of is, is that if everyone, if this incentive program really takes off, like what are the projects that these people will be targeting, and like what's gonna see the most traction after that? So like thinking of the narrative as well. For example, was that okay if Arian's bridging to Avalanche? where are they going to trade on so there was pangolin and there was joe and i just felt like we just felt like the the ux of joe was much better than than pangolin and like we felt like that could give off the narrative of being a sushi on avalanche and like that that's what the community rolled with as well and then like it really took off from there uh zach you want to expand or
0: i mean yeah i think darren covered the most part of it there already it's really about being up to date about what's happening in the market as well as how do you capitalize on it as well. Like for Avalanche, the Avalanche rush previously, it was the whole incentives program, as well as uh RV and Curve launching there as well. We saw what it did to Polygon and we saw developed a similar thesis that okay, with RV and curve going on to Avalanche, this could be a chance for the next rotation there as well. So we just we went in pretty hard from there, and I guess we never looked back from there as well. Um right now we are on a bunch of different chains that we have uh seen different innovations coming in as well. But uh we're not gonna shell it too hard for now. Yeah yeah, I, mean, no, I, yeah I... I guess in crypto one
2: thing is that people remember people remember things like that has happened, especially if there's like positive price impact. So like what one thing that like kinda helps like we kept while well, we kept up today as well, we also remember like what has happened before. So like Polygon has happened before and that, that after what happens in the ecosystem fund gets gets like lot started or what happens when ecosystem incentives get started or what happens when I don't know, like mining rewards happen, stuff like that just like helps us think about the like, big thinking about like okay what how would you approach this problem as well.
0: And in terms of looking for decks within the native chain, I mean the most usual suspects are things like what would be the front running decks, what would be the the go to landing platform and stuff like that. So we tend to stay up to date in terms of which one of these uh, protocols offer the best user experience as well as which one of these platforms Forms would really entice users to come on board to use it for them to generate volume there as well.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I, I totally agree on Joe, by the way. We're you know disclosure investors there. Um, the UI and the UX was fantastic, but to your guys' points, like they were just innovating and growing much faster than Pangolin, and they actually had a real kind of um, thesis there. So it just made sense to move on, on that specific rotation. One other thing to talk about is kind of like what everyone's strong points are. And how you guys work well together so i'm sure you guys yeah. all have different strong points and, and everyone's good at different things but zach let's start with you like what what are your strong points within the you know lao capital group and how do you complement your brothers
0: um i mean i'm typically a pretty quiet person i mean most of the people who met me in lisbon know as well uh typically my value add sort of comes in after we sort of onboarded a project in so when after on the project we have our own group chat with the founders as well so often I'm there providing feedback, uh, as well as seeing how much, what other things we can do to improve the platform as well.
2: Nice, Makes. yeah. I want to add on Zach's point. Like, Derek. one thing is that he doesn't have like those. He doesn't have like the, all the history in crypto. Like he doesn't have all those like pain points that people gotten through. So he has like a lot of like I guess like new takes to the to the market, new takes to projects that people people haven't really heard of before, because they always carrying those legacy issues. I would I call it legacy issues because like people have been. Some people have been like in crypto for the past few years or like they, they always be thinking a certain way. And it's like, it's like a fresh perspective on things.
0: Sorry, sure, yeah. Uh, sorry. I also like to look on into different communities. I don't really post much. Um if you notice my Twitter and all is private as well. But I rather than just posting, I just prefer to look, look and just observe what are people talking about there. What are some things that communities attracted to? Like for example, when um Om first started, um my brothers were weren't that sure about what it was initially. But it was, I mean, from my, from our side, it was me who was more into the, into the weeds there, looking at what the community is talking about and how it is sort of changing the DeFi landscape as well. Yeah. Uh,
2: for me, like, I guess since I'm the more public one on, on Twitter, like I have, and that's well with my channel as well, so I, I do provide that a wider lens on the market. So like, for example, like I look on opportunities at all, on all kinds of chains I don't, I don't discriminate against the chain. Uh, I did do a bunch of projects on different chains, like Solana avalanche and so on like so like having that wide wide lens wide range of audience uh wide sources of information not just to deal for but also like in terms of like catalysts that's happening that that's what i, I bring value the most to i guess i guess and like daryl can probably expand on his side What's my strength? <laughs> i don't know i guess for me my strength is like i hammer down on certain stuff like one like i do not want to invest in any competitors i do not want to like invest in things that we've already have like somewhat exposure to that I just don't like, there's certain values and certain principles that I think that define me and who I am as a person that, that I will not budge on. And it, like, that has also carried on to like our investments as well. Like we we don't really want to do anything that's just in it for the money kind of thing. We want to do something that's like plus EV for the space. We don't want like, and practically what that means is that let's say for example, like if I see an invest- if I see a project that is like, simply changing one thing and then making it and then making a new token. And that's, that's just not something we want to back. We want to back those zero to one innovations kind of thing that has like cha- will change the landscape as a whole if it works out. And that's says just, that's just, has always been like, I guess, one maybe like one thing I've been focused on is just like, how do I think about things from a, like a long term perspective? How do I think about things from like the entire ecosystem as a whole? Like what can work and what cannot not work together and what how should we be reporting this, and how we should be as people like us?
1: It's, it's pretty interesting. You guys have a good dynamic. Daryl is like Zach. A... It sounds like you like you know yeah. focus on yeah. the portfolio company work at the end. It sounds like Daryl and Darren. You guys focus on more the public facing side, but also crafting kind of the values that you invest alongside. So it sounds like a good kind of trio.
0: Yeah, I would say actually Daryl is the most analytical one out of all of us. He's the one that comes with the most critical burning questions to to the both of us before we Im- decide to invest in something. Uh, Darren, as he said, he's the public face. He's the one that normally gets the deal flow in and things that we would, that, that gets the conversation starting between the three of us. In fact, there's even like a mini group chat within the three of us where we actually share uh, different decks, for example, different protocols that's coming up. And the, our roles there is basically whenever Darren sends something there, if we read it and we find it interesting, then we'll have a conversation with the team.
1: Are there anything you guys go back and forth on that you don't agree on? It sounds like you guys are all pretty much in lockstep so you can move fast, but what do you guys not agree on?
0: I can't really remember like
2: certain like specific investments, but there's been sometimes where it's just like, I was just like focused on get like getting out of the house and being far away as from as possible from my laptop, and I didn't want to like, spend this much time in crypto twenty four seven kind of thing. So I've been like re- regularly telling them to like fuck off on the computer and just like be like be in person, like be there when you're at events, not on your phone kind of thing. <laughs> That doesn't really, like, that doesn't help, like, from an perspective, but investment perspective, but it, it does help, like, from a personality or person development kind of thing. Like, I feel like there's a balance that, that has to be done. Like, you have to, you can be incredible, but you can also be, be, like, a proper functioning human being at the same time.
0: No, totally. I think most of the time, the main thing that we disagree with probably would be, I don't know, different, like, I, I we can't think of specifics at the moment. We are all pretty much in sync most of the time. Uh, but whenever we do disagree in something, we often have this thing where, all right, if you disagree in it and I agree in it, I'm going to invest in this myself. And then hopefully down the line, prove you wrong as well. So it's a sort of little uh, f- sibling rivalry there, going on there, going well, on there as mean, well. Well, I
1: mean, the sibling rivalry, though, I mean, is pretty solid, though, because you're putting actual money on your line, which means you're going to diligence it the right way and bring some yeah. good arguments to the table, Right. <laughs> We're talking about this like it's all civilized, but I'm sure you guys are like, F you, I'm investing, I'll see you later. We'll we'll check this out in a couple months.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's why you see sometimes whenever we announce investments in something, sometimes we use the not trade our capital name. Sometimes we just use individual names. So oftentimes when we use the not trade our capital name, it means more than one of us uh, agrees to investment in this. If you use an individual name, it just means that okay, there's a bit of rivalry. Do going you guys on.
1: have to all agree for it to go through Lao Capital, or is two out of three, or how does it work?
2: It's like most, like most of the time, <laughs> two out of three agrees, and the third will also agree. There's just been very rare occasions like one, one is like too, like I don't know, like if it, maybe it's like too niche or like too early for me, or like I don't, I don't understand shit about an investment that I I wouldn't want to invest. So like I'll be a pass, and then Darren just be like, I know, I think this is gonna be. It's going to be fun. I like the founder. I'm going to do it anyway. It's like, screw you. You're going to buy, you're going to buy in at the series A or something higher than my bags. <laughs> yeah.
1: You guys are selling to each other in later stages. It sounds like.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> 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 always, always be, always be supporting all your brother's investments.
1: Is the, uh, is the investment committee pretty chill for you guys? Is it like, you know, is it like over telegram or do you guys do calls or, or how exactly do you guys come to consensus on, you know, hell, I want to invest in this or not through Lau capital.
2: Sometimes I just send a deck and Daryl just replies ape or no ape and then that, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Yeah, before this, like, I haven't seen them in six months before this. Like, we we I was in the States and they were in Malaysia. So it's like, it's always through Telegram and then we get on calls together and I'd just be like, the the. I don't know, the most casual investment committee. I guess, if you, if you can call it that, is really just like us looking at that and it's like, I, I do not like this idea at all. I think it's a completely stupid idea. And then one of us will be like, screw you, you're wrong. This is why you're wrong. And then starts like scold each other, like scold each other into wealth kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we live in the same under the same roof, right? So for the most part, most of our investment community ideas is mostly just us in our pajamas in our bedrooms and just going back and forth, um, debating different ideas. But ever since Daryl went to the States for a while, it was mostly just telegram and just random calls in like super early in the morning and stuff like that. Just to accommodate the different time zones as well.
2: Yeah, one instance, like we had a whiteboard in our yeah. room. So it was like 4 a.m. All of us are still awake for some reason. So that's like drawing on the whiteboard, like why, 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 what the hell this is and why this would like work. And it just like made sense of, oh, so at the end of the day, we, we invested in that.
1: No, that, that's fair. Guys, We're we're hitting the 50 minute mark. So I want to go into the fun stuff. I want to hear, your yeah. best and worst play so the most painful the one that made you the happiest <laughs> i don't know who wants to go first but i want to hear the stories
2: the worst play was probably kp3r <laughs> yeah. uh, so daryl and i we, we we saw the listing we were actually one of the first 10 addresses to buy buy the token but then like back then there was like when it first came out there was a few hours before andre announced use cases for it so like it went to like from like a couple cents to like a few dollars and then we sold it then i sold it at like sub, sub ten dollars and then it went it goes on to do like go to like hundred dollars two hundred dollars and like just the, just looking at the number like the amount of unrealized gains the gains that i missed out on that, that's probably the worst one just because like i was impatient to like like i, I, I sold about. it before the, the the info really came out that's probably the worst trade there best trade for me would probably be uh so like there were two trades that i did early on so one was where like I I went fifty fifty into Wi Fi and fifty percent of my portfolio into Wi Fi and fifty percent of my portfolio into NXM and I actually emptied out my bank account just to like 8 Wi Fi when it first listed because like like my bank account like, was like less than one hundred dollars just cause like, I emptied it all yeah and then uh that's probably the best trade because like I think for NXM's case a lot of people didn't really understand the model behind the MCR and like the the capital requirements of it. So, like, just mapping out, like, how much inflow is needed for it to, like, go in, like, how much how much price change will happen if X amount of inflows happen, like, just mapping that out was probably one of the best trades that I did. And also another one would probably be Axie Infinity. Uh, I was actually spamming Alex back when Axie was going to get, before Axie was listed on Binance, like, I was banging with some of the stupidest questions that I had about Axie. I was, like, asking him, like, where do I buy, buy an Axie? How much is an Axie? And so on, like, and he was, like, answering me about... All the questions I had, and like from there, like realizing that they were actually positive cash flows, even back when, even back in the beginning of being listed on Binance, like that was probably one of the best bangers I had because, like, back then, almost no one had exposure to NFTs or, or metaverse or even gaming. And like, just having that, even though it started off as a hedge of my portfolio, but eventually, it became like outperforming my portfolio, even. So, that's probably one of the best traits I had.
1: I love it. Now, I mean, Axie's clearly no, done wasn't. super well and, and, you know, sad about yeah. the key replay, but let's keep this going. These stories are great.
0: Anyone about Darren said he emptied his bank account. This was a literal true story. He actually went to the bank with our mother to do something with a credit card or something like that. And when our mom saw Darren's bank balance, our mom panicked. I was like, why do you have so little money left in your bank account? You have literally less than 100 ringgit, which in Malaysian ringgit is like $25. Less than 100 ringgit is like $25. Right. So, my mom was panicking as that messaging Darren and I. I was like, what is Darren doing? Why is he dead broke and stuff? So, that was a pretty interesting so how, conversation. How long did you have
1: under 100 bucks in your bank account, man? That's insane.
0: The conviction's wild. <laughs> <though>. Wow, wow.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> No, I love the conviction. It's awesome. It's great to see it. We've all been there.
0: It's awesome. All right. I think, that you want know, to share your story first about your bags? I'll start with like worst trades. Like,
2: both, both times were like liquidations. Like, first one, back Thursday, like, tweeted about this the other day and Jason tweeted something like, name one day in your life that's changed, changed it completely. Like that, that's probably like one thing I remember. Like one thing I remember is like Black Thursday. Well, we I went all in on EVE. Like my liquidation price is like less than a hundred dollars. And I was like, it was now it hit that. Then it hit and then it went to $80 and I got liquidated for almost everything. And it just like, I spent three years building up that stack and just like seeing that all like immediately lost. It was just like, okay, it was like heartbreaking kind of thing. But it was just like, I was getting on a plane to like go visit my girlfriend in Melbourne at the time. And I was like three, four hours of sitting on a plane like I couldn't even, I had like zero connection, zero Wi-Fi because I couldn't afford it anymore. So just was sitting down there just thinking to myself like okay, what the hell have I do, what the hell have I done like what can I do and like just re- just trying to realize like okay shit what where do I go from here And then then I was like visiting my girlfriend and it's like I had to put that all aside like the relationship came first and we like there was yeah there was like some some stuff that we were working through so that that took priority like my life took priority first. Then it's only like after that, like I could really pick up the pieces and restart. Me and Darren both restarted with our portfolios with like five thousand dollars. Then that was like last last year. Then another painful like liquidation was like last. That's like this year basically, like on our birthday. <laughs> on our birthday it was like Darren. Darren released this thread that he's like like how to be a VC in crypto is like basically our birthday. And then he ended it with like I was he was quitting Spartan, and then two hours later the whole market crashes. I, I was like, I had woken up that morning. I was like, I'm not gonna trade. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I woke up that morning. I was like, I'm not gonna trade at all today. So I was, and then shit went down like 30. percent I was like, okay, let's like try to open some longs. I opened up some longs, and it was like, I went to sleep after that, and then, then shit went down even more. Then I got liquidated for my whole account again as well. So I was, like, well, I woke up the next morning. I was like, okay, my whole account is empty. What the hell happened? And it's like, oh, shit went down 50. Instead, I'm like, okay, shit. <laughs> So that was, like, painful. That was, like, really painful. And I was, like, at that moment in time, it's, like, I was talking to Ben. Like, my, my Ben met Simon from Mechanism. So he was, like, when I was woken up, he was also, like, in the danger of, like, getting liquidated. So I like, asked him, like, where do I send money to, like, help him out, like, add collateral so that he doesn't get liquidated. Because I don't want, didn't want him to, like, go through the pain, right? And so I was, like, after, like, that was, like, a whole wildest 24, like, wildest birthday I ever had in my life <laughs> kind of thing. Being stuck on the plane so, like, is brutal. I, I'm not I sure mean, how the like, relationship ended up, but Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah yeah that that did like that ended like a month after like we had like so much <laughs> personal issues like we had like some issues we couldn't work out we couldn't work through but it's like completely unrelated from like work like she's one of the reasons why I've like always advocated to like have a life outside of crypto and not be 100 percent crypto to all my friends like I've known a lot of founders in space that have been like working nonstop stop that I just like always often like stop working <laughs> that kind of thing no I I couldn't agree yeah, more. Bad.
1: You have to have a life outside of crypto. I mean, one to reset, yeah. but also two to just have context on where you're at and where you're going.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Best trades. Best trade would be like Wi-Fi, I guess. Like Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi has pretty much been like one of the defining trades of my, uh, our lives. Like we been, we were using Wi-Fi. We were using like Curve and Iron because it was like paying out like five percent interest and it was like ten x higher than a bank. And we were like, okay, shit, this is amazing. Then like being like being early to like farming Wi-Fi when it came out and just being able to like see okay, the the way the yields were like if by the token price being high enough, then people like buying the token instead. Then we just like let's buy the token instead. So we went like all in on that, (laughs) and we've been helping. Then we helped out like I've been helping out Andre doing like community management and stuff like that since even before the token launch. So then naturally progressed to like being one of the multi six and being there to like help help like do the early discussions around token economics and then being there ever since like ever since then for like a year and I guess a year and a half now just being helping about like even helping them launch with wifi, for example like I didn't sleep for like 36 hours just to make sure that, just to, like from the idea of woofie which is like a dog denominated wi-fi <laughs> like basically the denomination of wi-fi token and then getting that going making that go live and then helping them up like run through the front end and see what works and what doesn't work and then yeah that was like 26 or, or like 24 hours of like, not sleeping and making sure it launches. Yeah, that was fun too.
1: Geez. Now, there's a hell of hell of a group of stories. I mean, what I'm hearing from you guys is like, one, it's a lot of conviction on your parts on the plays that have changed your life. Like you've invested good percentage of your portfolio in these plays that have done quite well. And then two, it sounds like you guys are extremely actively involved in the projects you were working with um, to get that edge. Is that a good summary or, or maybe some luck in there? <laughs> yeah.
2: I guess like it's a like luck as well. Like for example like loot, like always like when loot first came out, for example, like me I was following Dom because of Subdrive. Like I always wanted to play like a NFT proper NFT game. And then I was like following him because of subdrive. And then when he released the minting contract for loot, I just saw it and I was like immediately ran back home. And then I was like calling them up at like three AM their time. And then we all just like we all just started minting loot together. And we just like it was just like the funniest shit ever. Was like we were talking about how we wanted to mint it because we wanted to be like the Grand Exchange kind of thing. Like we wanted to sell weapons because we all grew up playing RuneScape, and we were like, okay, this is not gonna be. This is gonna be stupid, but it's gonna be fun. That's why we are in it. Like we didn't care about. We had never in our wildest dreams expected Loot to like make money, and we were like, we're just like okay, this is like, it's extremely fun idea. It's like based on medieval stuff, like swords, divine robes, and shit like that. And it's just like okay, this is fun. Like we're gonna do it. Yeah, we're gonna just do it for fun. And I was like, that was like extremely lucky kind of thing. Like that the idea resonated with so many people and like it went out the way it was.
1: No, that's pretty cool. These stories are great because they're they're honest stories of like one losing your shirt, but then two, you know, earning back the factory. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Guys, I mean, one like last set of questions I have for you is like, you know, we'll also go in order, Zach. We'll start with you to make it easy on the rotation. But, you know, you guys have been in the space for, you know, four years maybe a little bit longer i think we all got started around the same time but i'd like to know and feel free to give multiple answers here like what advice would you give new people in the space like rentable market right now we have a lot of people that join that never experienced the bear market you know we have people aping into projects they don't totally understand you know what is the like core advice you would give people to make sure that they don't like exit crypto and lose their shirt too? <clears throat>
0: honestly from my end it's the one advice I would probably give would be to find as many tribes as you can, find as many people to talk to, find as many people to share ideas with because like I said, this was what got me started in crypto in the first place being able to talk to people from different uh, points of views and from there being able to learn from them as well because once you have access to so many different opinions, so many different ideas you'll be able to form many many different theses, you'll be able to form many different ideas on how you can bring yourself to the next level as well I think for me the done. best advice i can give someone is to follow the daily ape uh <laughs>
2: joking but like i think one thing is like to really try as much as possible i think that for example like uh, i don't know if you guys saw the thread that i did so i did a thread on i did a thread on airdrops recently so like i tried out DYDX just because like they recently moved to start and like i wanted to try out the experience so i i deposited a hundred dollars and then I got an airdrop that was worth much more after that, and like that hundred dollars got liquidated. So like just just trying out that that whole new protocol, like even though like and it was cheap as well, like it cost me like like less than fifty dollars to deposit and like hundred dollars to like start the deposit as well. So like just trying out what you can afford is always something that I recommend because like at the end of the day, like uh you want to be a user of the protocol, you want to be you want to know what, what what's this? What's so special about this protocol. Because if this protocol is really something special that people use, chances are this token will, will probably do well as well. And that you, that's where you get the upside on as well. Yeah. I mean, they, they've they basically given up, given the advice I would have they've, given up. They've like taken one, all the good friends, points from two, you. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. One, make friends. Two, be active. be active, And three, I guess. Follow the DDA. <laughs> not not <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess like one thing I tweeted, I tweeted back, Back during like the five summer, like I think it was like two or three days before the top, it was like I was tweeting out things like if your position or your your, your portfolio ma- makes you uneasy or not, one steep, and not wanting to sleep, and i just like take some off. Like it's, I've heard so many horror stories of people like wondering about like what if what if I had like liquidated some money, six hundred positions instead. Of what if I had like, kept the money that I have had at the top and the end just always, always be living in a constant state of regret. And it's like not it's not that the fact that I would want like profits to like, dictate your way of life. It's just that if you're like uneasy or you're, you're just like feeling okay this is way too much money and like or if it's just like a life-changing amount of money like there's no reason that you should be aping that into more nfts you should be like taking that off and like being able to change change your life like i've seen i've seen how much like even ten thousand dollars like one thousand dollars can like change someone's life and it's just, like i don't ever want to like forget that and just like okay, like if you've t- made made enough profits, kind of thing, and that's able to like take off like a year or two or like the stress away of your students, don't just take it. I guess take it and just be like reassess where you are and like, okay, it's like a new starting point where you've not only have the money, I not only have the safety net, you have the experience that you've gotten building that position up. Like you can always start again a new. Like one advice, I guess like I guess this is like a first world problem. Is like when our friends made out their first million, for example, we we'll just be like okay. It's time to like close the position, take a week off, and just like revisit, revisit yourself, revisit like your way of thinking. And just like not it, it into everything and lose it all immediately. Like reassess like how much how much money that actually is. <laughs> yeah, because we had a friend that went from. I mean, we had several friends, several horror stories where like these guys go from like two thousand, two thousand dollars to like eight eight figures, and then now they're back down to like less than six six figures. So, like, just that roller coaster effect, like, we've seen the damage, the amount of depression that these guys have after that. So, like, make sure to, like, just take take off, take some off. Like, if it can change your life, take it off and, like, just put it in stable farms or whatever. Like, there's so many opportunities with just stable coins that's out there. Like, like, Anchor gives you 20%. There's no, that's, that's your, that's safe, that's safe. But (laughs) that's, like, securing your your bag. Yeah, another advice from that, like, adding on it's like if you can't beat if you can't be, be like your family returns, you shouldn't be trading like you should just be like your farming instead and it's just like after we've made uh, after you made a certain amount of money it's just like maybe time, take time to think about like giving back like we've been helping like our friends like helping artists and helping like people we know like personally that have, wanted to break into crypto try to break into crypto like we have like a few in we have, like a few friends that we like call interns but it's really just like us giving them like starting capital starting opportunities and it's being, bringing them around like network with people and it's like being able to like have them experience the space that we experience it it's been, it's been really like gratifying to see I guess.
1: No I'm, I'm totally with you guys it it's really important to take money off the table especially when you could you know make sure your family's okay your friends are okay yourself is good so I totally agree with that and I didn't know you guys did that it's really cool that you guys are helping to bootstrap your friends a bit that's just sick um and that's yep. really admirable
2: we're probably uh, we're working on a structure right now to like help people with that and like probably gonna think more about it after we get back from travels so like stay tuned for details
1: no i, I definitely will <laughs> guys this is uh this is a great episode guys i mean we've all been talking for so long I'm, I'm excited it's hard to do three or four person pods but i think you guys nailed it um and i'm excited yeah. to have you guys on again soon because there's just so much fun. to cover
2: thanks for having us man
1: yeah thanks so much guys we'll talk soon thanks
2: for having us tom Hey, right, talk to you soon man take all care
1: right. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please support the show by hitting subscribe on iTunes, writing a review, or sharing this episode on Twitter and LinkedIn. And stay tuned for our next episode. Out soon.